Thanks, guys. Uh, speaking of this jacket, um, Zach this morning, it's the first time I've worn it. Um, Zach this morning, my little guy comes out because he chose it for me and he stands in the hallway as I'm getting dressed in the mirror and he looks at me and he goes, yeah, YouTube preacher. <laughs> so there we go for all of our online community. There we go. Aptly dressed by my son this morning. What does Jesus say about anger? What does Jesus say about anger? I thought this morning uh, we might look at a, a carefully uh, curated case study. I don't know. Let's 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 take for example, say. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just saying. Let's 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 just take for example an an actor, right, in Hollywood somewhere, oh. right, <laughs> makes a joke about another actor, and let's imagine that that actor decides to get himself up out of his seat and go to the other actor, and that's what we have. If you haven't seen it, who hasn't seen this image yet this week? There we go. We've got one. We've got one. And um, Sonia, you are the holy one because it's clear that you were not on social and clearly fasting in some deep spiritual thing that you're doing this week. So that is amazing. Isn't that a remarkable statistic, straw poll? Shows us the danger of anger. One man's little bit of anger... So pervasive around the world that here in Australia, in Crow's Nest, we can sit in an auditorium. We've got one out of a hundred and something in here that hasn't seen that image. Why I think um, that image um, sums everything up for us is, as we've watched it, we can take it down now. I'm starting to feel angry myself. (laughs) Anger has a way of doing that to you. Haven't we all had a Will Smith moment? And what I mean by that, it's not winning an Oscar. I mean, (laughs) that moment where in a fit of rage or anger, we do something that we deeply regret. We wish we could take it back again. I'm sure if I ask for a raise of hands now, who hasn't had that type of moment, then there would still be no hands in the auditorium. Uh, We've all had a Will Smith moment where, you know that moment where like your anger runs away from you like a tiger and then that's escaped from the zoo in an Indian town. Have you ever seen those YouTube clips, <laughs> right? That's what anger does. It runs around and everyone's terrified. You're trying to, try to get the thing back on the loose. Uh, your colleagues, your co-workers, your kids, everyone's terrified until you get the thing back in the cage. And so what would Jesus say to Will Smith in that moment? I think Jesus would walk up, walk up to Will, say, excuse us, Chris, I've just got to have a moment with Will. And I think Jesus would say to Will, he would, he would say, Will, Uh, You might feel right, you might even be right, but you don't have to be angry. That's what Jesus would say. You might feel right, you might be right, but you don't have to be angry. And so when we get angry, you know, why, if you don't notice, why is it that we can often go from naught to ten? Have you noticed this? We just, we just explode. We just go from naught to ten and we wish that we could take all this stuff back (laughs) We wish that we kind of weren't like this. Why is it that we feel these feelings uh, that we we just wish we hadn't have been like that? Some of us, because I've been coming to church here since I was a teenager, um, there are multiple moments I know that we've walked into this auditorium and we've had a massive blow up in the car. I'm willing to declare before you this morning, there's been many moments, and my wife will attest to this, where um, this snazzy looking YouTube pastor, right... (laughs) It's just been nothing but fits of rage and frustration 
coming down the back way of Herbert Street. And then we get in and we praise God. And I know that this is what it's like for this, us. And so how do, we, how do we stop ourselves doing this? Because at best, we've got regret. At worst, at worst, we're harming the people around us. And we're harming ourselves. What do we do? There's an easy way and there's a hard way. The easy way, the easy way that we can deal with it is that we try and justify our anger. We try and think of the ways in which our, our, our anger was fine. Oh, it was a one-off. It's not that bad. It's my nationality. We're passionate people, <laughs> right? It's my personality, broadly. Everyone does it. I'm just human. Have you had any of these? And Christians, you ready for it? You ready for the, the ultimate? This is the trump card. If you follow Jesus, this is the trump card. You ready? Hey, even Jesus got angry, right? <laughs> That's how he justified. And in fact, I caught myself this week in preparing for this message because when I thought, well, what does Jesus say about anger? I'm instantly going, okay, big idea. Anger's not a sin. Let's go to, yeah, Jesus got anger. Which passage do you think I was going to preach from this morning? Yeah. <laughs> The whip, when he fashioned his whip and he turned the tables in the temple. And we, we Christians use that so often and so ridiculously to justify our anger. And what came to me this morning is there's no point going to the temple story because Jesus didn't have a problem with anger, but we do. We've got a problem with it. Jesus didn't have a problem if you look biblically. Of course, Jesus got angry. That's why anger is not a sin. But he got angry. He got angry at those that dared to turn his father's house into a market. He got angry at the Pharisees who were about to plot his death. I love this. He got angry at his disciples who tried to stop children from coming to see him. I'm glad he got angry at that. He got angry at um, those who were about to flagrantly disobey his command not to tell the rest of the town about a miracle. Matthew 9, Mark 1. And here's, here's another one that might give us comfort. Jesus got angry at death. When he turns up and sees his best friend Lazarus dead in a tomb. The word when it said Jesus wept. Weeping is not the right words. It was literally the Aramaic was the sound that a horse makes when it gets backed up in a, pa- a paddock. Jesus was angry at the sight of death. And so Jesus knows how to get indignant and irate and even furious. But without the slightest trace of what he's going to teach us this morning. And here's the thing. When, when we see Jesus getting angry, here's what I have to tell myself. I can trust Jesus with a lot of things that I don't trust myself with, right? I can t- because he's got a fully formed, godly character. Jesus doesn't have a problem with anger. We do. We do societally. We've seen that at the Oscars. We've got a problem with anger societally. We've got a problem. I'm hearing the statistics that we lost five women in Australia to domestic violence in the last two weeks alone. You don't dare flip the bird at someone these days with a road rage incident or like we've seen on the news, you get a couple of guys that you see going at each other outside of primary school. You see that one? And I think as a pastor, you know, the way that I would describe the temperament that I've seen in most people and dare I say even including myself over the last couple of years, the last couple of years particularly with the pandemic is that we've just been plain angry. Angry that the government didn't make the right response. Angry about a vaccine. Angry about the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, angry about the changes to the church. Angry about the US presidential election. <laughs> right? Pick a topic. We've just been 
angry. And so here's the thing. To justify ourselves in that moment by saying, oh, well, anger's not a sin and Jesus got angry. And I'll be really careful how I choose my words in this. Is to say, oh, it's okay for me to get angry is like an, an alcoholic saying that it's okay for me to have a drink because Jesus drank wine in the Bible. And a quick side note and being sensitive about that, you know, if, if you struggle with alcohol, I want you to hear the affirmation in this message is that you are not the only person that's dealing with a dangerous substance that can wreck your life. In fact, I hope that most people in this place took anger with the same level of seriousness that an alcoholic does with, with, anger, with, with the drink and we wouldn't have so much of a societal problem. The problem is we're angerholics. We've got this thing that has a hold on us. And that's why we have so many grumpy Christians, right? We have so many people that are getting offended, people getting slighted, people walking away, people withdrawing. Because, guys, we haven't learned, we haven't been taught how to come out from underneath anger. And that's where Jesus wants to take us this morning. Is that cool? Jesus' desire in teaching us this morning in this passage is that he, he wants to take you out of this anger that has us by the throat. And that's why he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he says, You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Jesus starts with saying, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You know, when, when what Jesus is saying to us in that moment, and what Jesus says about anger first and foremost this morning is this. Don't try and catch the bullet after it's been fired from the gun. When he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, what he's saying is that there's this old school, Old Testament, legalistic version of just don't be angry, don't murder, doesn't work. We know that, right? We know that we've had those moments where anger slipped out from us. Anger, anger all the time is constantly pushing in against us. And that legalistic framework won't work. We've seen that. Case Case study. You know, how many times have you said to yourself in that moment of regret with anger, oh, I'll never do that again. And then what happens? <laughs> Slips out again. Because you're trying to catch bullets that have already left the barrel of a gun. Jesus says that approach is not going to work. And so the worst thing that you can possibly do to solve anger is just say, oh, just don't be angry. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you've just written down, don't be angry that's not what I'm trying to say this morning. Scratch that from your notebook, <laughs> okay? See, but the, the positive, I guess, when the tiger gets loose from the zoo, the positive of that is that the job of anger is to announce that something's wrong underneath. It's the, it's the job of anger. You know, anger in the emotional sense is actually a form of pain. You know, if I'm walking along and I step, you know, on a nail and go, ow, what the nail does and the pain does is to announce that something's wrong. Don't continue to go in that direction. So when this anger does inevitably spill out of you, don't feel guilty or ashamed about it, but see it as an opportunity to go, something's not right here. Something's wrong. It tells you that it needs to change. So don't try and catch the bullets after it's been fired. 
acknowledge that the bullet is like a flare, marine flare, to say something is wrong here, particularly if it's coming up in the same area of your life. And then Jesus says in verse 21, You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And what Jesus is saying here is that anger is murder in seed form. It's pretty radical. It's pretty in your face. And I believe that Jesus intended it to be that way. Jesus is saying in a revolutionary way, anger is murder in a seed form. Because everyone knows and everyone agrees, murder is wrong. You shouldn't kill. We get that, Jesus. But what Jesus is saying is saying, hey, if murder is a tree and the tree is wrong, then what he's saying is don't carry the seeds to that tree. If that's what it can grow into, it's dangerous You wouldn't want that floating around in your pocket. I forbid the seed. And most of us know that, you know, where does murder come from? 99.999% of murder comes from anger. I hardly think someone in a fit of rage and murder is thinking about loving the person in that moment. It's anger and rage. Jesus says it's poison. And so what Jesus is saying to us is that I don't want you walking around with seeds of this stuff in your pocket. Why it's so dangerous to just justify this stuff. He's saying, this is, this is dangerous. Don't allow it to be there. But then he goes even deeper. He then goes on and says, again, which highlight that in your Bible. Always dangerous when Jesus says, again. <laughs> Whenever Jesus says, again, it's probably not a compliment to you and I. <laughs> it's Jesus saying, I know how you guys think. I created you. You're not going to get it. So let me take you to a whole nother level. And Jesus says, and again, I tell you, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So if anger is the seed, then what Jesus is saying here is that if anger is the seed to murder, then the soil in which it grows is called contempt. You go, where'd you get that from, Sam? It's from that word raka. It's an Aramaic word. Uh, It it literally, the word raka um, literally means uh, the noise, the noise that you make when you go to clear your throat to spit. Now, I won't demonstrate for you. I'll I'll let you do that in the quietness of your own home. (laughs) But that's what uh, raka meant. Raka was a, a, a derogatory term, meaning you nobody, you nothing, you worthless uh, the, the, the best way to describe what raka is, in fact, there's a, there's a modern day derivation of the Aramaic word raka that we say all the time, and it's simply mother raka. Right? <laughs> Next one. <laughs> if you're a guest with us this morning, I'm sorry. <laughs> These guys are used to it. <laughs> But I, I had no other way to appropriately describe the gravity and the significance of the word raka in terms of what Jesus is saying. In fact, the heart behind that word when we say it in its modern sense, right? It's exactly what you think when you say that word to someone. You nothing, you nobody, you, you low life. And Jesus said, if anger's not a sin, that is. If anger can be right in certain contexts, the thing that makes it wrong is that attitude. Contempt, rucker, is disdainful. 
It's superior. It's dismissive. It's sneering. And it's the way that we do when we're clever and we're cultured. And no, we don't get angry, right? From the low and all shore, we don't get angry. We get contemptuous. We mutter. In fact, we murder. But just in clever, little, subtle ways. Reputations. Personalities. With these thoughts of contempt for people. And Jesus says, when you do that, and even to the further degree, and this ties into what I was saying about forgiveness the other week, and then when he says, if you even then go and say, you fools, that you're in danger of the fires of hell, what Jesus is not saying, that if you go out today and say, you fool to someone, that God's going to come down from the sky and that the ground's going to open up and you're going to slip into hell. It's No, it's what I said the other week, is that a person who constantly lives in a, in a situation of contempt and disdain for people creates a heart that will become hell if it hasn't already. Make sense? He's a genius teacher, isn't he? Absolute genius. I love, I love that my main life teacher is Jesus. Contempt is dismissive. It's looking down at people. And the reason that I call it the soil in which anger is seeded, right? Because a seed won't grow unless it's got the right growing conditions, right? So contempt is perfect for growing anger. The reason I call it soil is because this is what we do in contempt when we're dismissive with people. We are literally, and I like the analogy, we are literally heaping manure You do, you, I do this. You are heaping manure each time that you sneer and are contemptuous. But you're heaping manure on, their, on them, aren't you, in your mental picture? It's like a sinister form of the animated gift that I talked about the other week. When you are contemptuous towards a person, you're constantly tilling the soil. And I don't know if it's just me. Have you ever had those moments where you feel like you're angry at someone and then it's been a while and you, your brain suddenly remembers that it's been a while since you're angry at them? <laughs> Is this just me? Right? And, and you figure, what, what do you do? You get really sensible. I'm going to go till the soil. My contempt garden is not fruitful enough at the moment, right? So I'm going to go and dig this up again. What they do, oh, that's right. That's why I'm angry at them. Sinister. So Willard, Dallas Willard says, why do we, why, and why do we do this? He says, anger and contempt begin to feel good for people. They actually feel better when they're enjoying being contemptible of others. It gives them some sort of kickback effect. They feel superior and that's a good feeling. If I could put it another way, I know no analogy is perfect, but if anger is the gunpowder, then contempt are the walls of the barrel that press it in in order to create a bigger explosion. A little bit of science here. But do you know that if you had gunpowder, you can actually light it on your table? The reason that dynamite explodes is because that gunpowder is compressed in against each other. So when you light the fuel, the whole thing explodes. And so that's why, remember back in like the 1800s in America, you know those images of like those Mel Gibson movies where they pour gunpowder into their old, um, old, old big, what are those things called? Muskets. Thanks, Muz. Musket Muz. And... Um, you know, they do that. What do, what do they do after they pour their gunpowder in? They get a giant rod and they start ramming the gunpowder in in order to compress it. 
And so when we have this raka attitude towards people, what we're doing is we're taking the gunpowder of anger and then we are compressing the daylights out of the thing in order that one day it might explode. And you wonder why we go from naught to ten. Jesus saying anger's not a sin. It's what's underneath anger that makes it a sin. It's raka, it's contempt. This making sense? <clears throat> now to which some of you might say in this moment, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, but but what about the things where it's right to be angry? <laughs> what about the times when I'm right to be angry? Now, a couple of things. There's a right right and a wrong right. Um, the wrong right, have you ever thought about this? In anger, you will always be right from your perspective in anger. Because anger's a feeling, and that's what it is. And anger's in your face, and it's up there, and it's explosion, it's scientifically, you know, all your feelings are coming from the lizard section of our brain. Have we got any doctors? What's that called, Esther? I don't know. The amygdala. That's it. There we go. <laughs> It's, 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 the primal, it's the primal side of things. So in other words, physiologically, psychologically, you lack the ability to be right, right in that moment. Because here's what you don't do in a fit of anger. I'm not sure about you, but here's what I don't do in a fit of anger. Hmm, Sam, I wonder if I actually have the right perspective on all this. And have I thought through all the different permutations? And I thought through the nuance of the other person. And I wonder how their day was today. I mean, are they having a bad day? You will always be right in anger. That's the wrong right, right? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but the right right, what do we do about the right right? Aren't there things, Sam, you're saying that, that, you know, what about injustice in the world? What about the protection of the innocent? What about the things that we know objectively to be right? And look, in some ways, yes, it would be justified. But you've heard from where I'm coming from. If we haven't got a grip on anger, then there's no point going down this path just yet. What Jesus is trying to say to us is that there will be times in which absolutely it's right to be angry at injustice, at the hurting of a child, at the protection of the innocent. Absolutely. But Jesus is still saying to you and I, you might even have the right to feel angry in that, but you can choose not to be angry. And in fact, life works a lot better when you go into these situations unangry. I don't think that's a word. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we step out from this? Because the objective is not to try and justify ourselves this morning, but to learn to how to come out from underneath this anger that we feel. And stepping out from anger, here it is, stepping out from anger presupposes that you have surrendered your will to God's. And here's why, because anger, anger is always, I've got to have it my way. Anger is always, I've got to have it my way in the moment. And the great resource for a Christian is that when we take the posture of a morning or we practice this every day of the week, that I'm not in control of the world, that I'm not the one that makes the universe go around, that even if it doesn't make sense to do what God is calling me to do, I know that God's ways, as Isaiah says, is higher than my ways. And I surrender to that. And this is what makes Christians so different, is that we start our day presupposed that I don't have to get my way. And if you can move into life, coming into an awareness that God is sovereignly 
in control of your life, then now what it allows you to do in those moments where someone crosses your will and you're not going to get your way, you're able to say to yourself, well, God's in control. And so therefore, maybe I don't have to react the way that I'm about to react. So case study, let's practice. You know, imagine that, imagine that you're going shopping, you're really busy, you go in and someone nicks your car spot, Right? These are those sorts of moments that are in danger of unleashing the fire of hell in some people, right? What do you, what do you do in that moment? What do you do in that moment? In fact, um, let's play out the case studies. You can either go and try and jam your car in first, uh, further and further and further and further. And you could end up wrecking your $600 excess. Or imagine if you went in that and you wound down your window and you looked the other person in your eye and you smiled and you said, bless you, sister. I'll be praying for you tonight. <laughs> Question class, which, which is going to have a better response? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you may have every right to get angry. You were there first. It was your car spot. <laughs> What's it going to do for them? What's it going to do for you? You always have the opportunity, says Jesus, to choose the situation where you declare that God is in control and I don't have to have my way. It's going to happen to you this week. It's going to happen to you with workmates. Someone's going to have a differing of opinion. You're going to come up against your boss. You're going to come up against that co-worker, you know, that's kind of conniving against you and working their agenda and you feel like your agenda's losing and so therefore I'm going to have to just find another sneaky contemptuous way in order to murder their soul this week. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm a pastor. I don't know if this sort of stuff happens. Right? <laughs> it's going to happen when your spouse comes in makes a certain comment that is not quite the way that you wanted things to go and then you're going to snap back with another certain comment and suddenly all hell is going to break loose in the lounge room and and there's going to be an option for either escalator or de-escalate that type of situation again i'm a pastor i'm just here this stuff goes on (laughs) it's going to happen with a kid this week as a parent we absolutely believe that Your way is the way that things need to be done and yet you're wrestling with the faith that it takes in order to hand them over to God's sovereign control of their life. Could it be possible that you don't have to have your way this week? And when you surrender your goal to that, your life to that, Jesus now empowers you to make the choice to develop your superpower that we talked right in the middle of the pandemic about, of another made-up word that Sam just made up, your superpower of respondability. When you presuppose that you've surrendered your will to God, it gives you the ability to respond, not react into these situations. And so as we finish this morning, the whole reason that Jesus talks about this is because you and I know full well. I know as a pastor, we know this, because it's your secret little nods when we talk like this, Right? It's those, and if you're on the online forum, can I just get an amen or a tick box or an emoji or something that at least has the courage to declare from each of us this morning? Because these guys have done it. I can see it in their faces. Anger has us by the throats. Even pastors. Jesus gives us the wonder of cutting against the prevailing way that the world works around us. And he says, hey, They might be getting angry at you, and yes, it might hurt, but you don't have to act that way because at the broad level, you're a child of mine. And can I let you in on a little secret? You're princes and princesses. You're not a normal co-worker. You're not a normal parent. You're not a normal flatmate. 
you're a kid of the kingdom. And in my kingdom, we walk the extra mile. In my kingdom, if I was Chris, I would have turned the other cheek. In my kingdom, I'm giving you the opportunity, if you trace these moments in which the tiger is out down to the depths of your soul, you'll find that maybe just maybe you've been carrying little seeds of anger trees in your life, murder trees, murder in its infant form. And Jesus says, I want to lead you out of that this morning. Stop justifying, he says. No more excuses. Not when you've heard this. You're a child of mine and you live counter to the world around you. And please, child, he says, if you want to take me on my word and create a rule out of this, you will fail. People are always wanting me to just tell them what to do. And if you want to just go out there and say, well, Jesus said that he told me that I shouldn't get angry. Well, you're going to turn this into another legalistic thing at which you will fail. And by the way, you'll make me look like an idiot. <laughs> like the way that my, my father used to tell me as a kid that I was never allowed to say the word shut up. Right? And so what, what would I do? I ran to the back corner of the backyard and I made sure that no one was looking. And I said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You will fail if you turn this into a rule. But if you receive this morning that there is abundant grace for that stuff up, that fit of rage and anger that you are beating yourself up about, that frankly for some of you happened on the way in in the car. If you know that there is abundant grace for you this morning in all of this, it now gives you the ability to join him on this great kingdom experiment and adventure where he says to you and I, he says, let me lead you out of this. Let me take you into a future that is a better version of you. And in so doing, you'll not only get a better life yourself, but you're going to bless the world around you. Walk out of here, child, he says this morning, and remind yourself, I am in control of your life. And so you may feel right. Don't trust yourself if you do. You might be right objectively, but he says you don't have to get angry. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your forgiveness into these moments in which we have acted in ways that we're not proud of and that we're ashamed of or even where we've caused harm and as we are before you in this moment this morning lord we repent of that and i would pray that those of us that are struggling with that would have the courage to declare that we don't have a hold on this thing it has a hold on us we thank you for your grace lord and for what you are leading us into lord jesus i pray of every person within the sound of my voice whether it's in the auditorium or on this live stream with us this morning or this youtube clip midweek in a train somewhere as they're listening to this lord that in this moment we would imagine the power of these fireflies going out into a world that just seems and feels so angry at the moment and in so doing the coming of that kingdom the upside downness of it the yeastiness of it as it gets massaged through workplaces and families and friendships and apartments this week. The world outside each north side would be a little bit brighter and a little bit calmer this week because of what you have taught us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Hey, as we come to communion, communion's going to be up the back today, so feel free if you're a follower of Jesus to come up and, and take this. And uh, I want to encourage us. I know I just prayed for us in that moment, but I want to encourage you. Jesus says, hey, you know, if any one of you are angry with your brother and sister, um, leave whatever you are doing. <laughs> leave that gift at the altar and go work yourself out with that person we talked about the other week. I have to recognize that some people in Jerusalem at the time, there was only one altar in Jerusalem. Some people would have traveled three days. And Jesus says, this is so significant in your life, this anger that you harbor in your life. This is so significant. Go back and do the three-day journey again and work it out. And as we come to communion this morning, there's an opportunity for you to do some business with Jesus in these areas of your life that you're not proud about, you're not happy about. On one hand, it's going to take the courage to declare that you're human, that you're not living the way that you would like to. It's going to take the courage to ask him for his forgiveness. And as you tangibly take the bread and the cup, you'll be reminded that that is yours. At the same time, in this act of repenting and then rejoicing, which I say is the two-stroke growth engine of Christian growth, as you repent of that, also rejoice. There's not only grace and abundance, but he he wants to lead you into a better version of yourself as you take this. So let's eat, drink, repent, rejoice as we do that this morning. And as others around you are moving, and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I hope you've seen from me this morning, I just think Jesus is a genius. Stay with us long enough. You know, you can buy books from Dimex and stuff, but that costs you 30 bucks a pop. You get this for free. Right? I just realize you get this for free from Jesus. So if you have to work out the Christianity thing, that's fine. Come hang out with me um, tomorrow night at Super Connect, and we're going to talk through this. But let's eat and drink and take communion now.